Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's agriculture industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and industry professionals to hear their stories and expert opinions on various industry-related matters that are relevant to both our farming and our urban communities. Fonterra this week has adjusted its Farmgate milk price forecast range for the 2021 season, lifting the midpoint of its forecast range to $7 per kilogram of milk solids. This is a clear sign that any risk to downside are reducing. The co-op carved 20 cents off the bottom of its forecast range, taking us to a $6.70 to $7.30 band. Not a huge surprise, given last week it was noted that there was the potential upside to forecasts. We've had a solid run at recent global dairy trade auctions, with Chinese demand for whole milk powder holding strong. Last week's result was a significant one. Fonterra notes it has already contracted a large chunk of this season's production compared with the same point in previous seasons, which is also a very good sign. Dairy prices are incredibly resilient currently, and demand is very strong, which is fantastic to see given how challenging the year has been and the dire forecasts predicted earlier in the year due to COVID-19. This week on Factum Agri, I talked with dairy farmer Carl Dean to get his views on the current state of play in the sector, and we discussed some challenges farmers are facing, and indeed positives, from a mild winter and upside in farm gate milk pricing. Let's check in with him now. Hello, Carl. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you for having me on. Please, can you tell me about where you are located and what you farm? Yeah, so my wife and I am 50-50 share milk, uh, 400 cows, um, just out of well, about halfway between Leeston and Lincoln in, in mid-Canterbury, um, right next to Lake Ellesmere. How was winter for you on the farm, and how has the start to summer kicked off? Yeah, well, winter actually was uh, very, very kind to us on the farm. Um, we didn't have a lot of rain, um, very mild, um, that continued into spring. We had an amazing calving, um, you know, brilliant sort of very low mortality of, of all animals, calves and what have you compared to a normal year. Um, and yeah, into, into summer, I mean, we've, to be honest, we've been a bit dry, but that's, that's why we have irrigation. Um, but we can always use a little dollop of rain every now and then, we'll just make it just perfect. And how's farm gate returns tracking? Are you okay with current forecasting and pricing? Yep, yeah, I think the current forecasting of, um, I think it's $7 now, mm. um, is probably well above what farmers were, were expecting, and it's, it's well above what I was expecting at the beginning of the season, so I'm definitely happy with that. Uh, cow cow prices, we calf returns, yeah, they could could have been could be better, but that that's part of COVID and, and part of the uh, market that we're in at the moment. Yeah, certainly a lot of supply chain issues industry is facing, and it's having an impact, isn't it, on farm gate returns, particularly on beef and lamb or red meat side of things. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think we will have a um, a, a bit of a prize to some of the the dairy farmers um, when they go to cull their their bulls. In a month or two, and um, then we won't get the returns that we would normally budget on. Mm. Carl, what do you make of recent changes to water policy, and in particular winter grazing? Uh, they're probably a bit 
um, unrealistic, some of the changes. Um, they're not really practical to implement for some of the changes. Some of them obviously are good. They're, they're going on what industry best practices now. Mm. Um, and that, that's all well and good. Um, you know, doing buffer zones and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going away and trying to do a national broad approach um, for me is just not really the way it should have gone. So do you think that policymakers are not talking to farmers enough? Oh, I know that policymakers really, they, they didn't consult farmers enough when they worked on the NPS. Um, they consulted a few people, but they didn't involve um, the likes of federal farmers. They didn't have Dairy and Z and Beef and Lamb weren't sort of involved in the final discussions, um, as, you, as you might know. Um, mm. So, I mean, it, it just they could have really gone back and instead of doing what they're doing now and backtracking and going, oh, well, oh, now we know that that's an issue. We, you know, there was plenty of submissions that pointed out those, those issues. Mm. Um, and, and it's just like they didn't really care. Um, they didn't care what the submission said, then read the half of them, I don't think. Mm. What about water quality? Do you think progress is being made by farmers in reducing in leaching, for example? And do you have a farm environmental plan? Yep, yeah, yeah. so we have a farm environmental plan on the property we're on. Um, I think it's the third rendition now. Mm. Um, so, you know, every time that one gets made, it's also an extra cost. Yeah. Um, and any changes you do to the farm, you have to then go and modify that plan if you're making any big changes. Um, and yeah, I mean, farmers, they will be reducing the end leaching um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're all business people. Mm. And I know it sounds a bit crude, but but there's no point wasting nitrogen. You know, there's no point, if we can prevent nitrogen going to the water and growing us grass instead, um, we're gonna do it. We're not gonna do it just because we can. Um, we're going to take every step possible to, to make sure we can maximise our you know, nutrients that we've got in the system. Can production be maintained as well as achieving environmental goals and outcomes? Uh, the question itself, the, the short answer is yes, of course it can. But the, the bigger fact behind that is um, it can't be done at the same cost. Mm. Um, you know, there's no way you can achieve the environmental outcomes and the current production and there not be a cost. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's the be all and end all. And at the end of the day, if it was an $8 milk price and that was where it was standard, I'm sure farmers would be more than happy to forego a bit of production or implement some really expensive technology solutions. Um, to, to, to get over the line, but when we've had such fluctuating milk prices and you know, the volatility is there, uh, we don't have the subsidies that um, overseas countries have to pretty much pay these environmental goals, um, which means that our producers or our milk processors, um, and I've asked the question of Dairy and Zed and Fonterra before, um, you know, if we do all these aspirational things, what's our milk price going to be? Um, that's a good question that still hasn't been answered. And that does lead me into, do you think in the long term 
New Zealand's milk products and indeed our meat products. They'll increase in value and offset any downside in volume growth if we continue to lead the world in sustainability and we do position ourselves in the marketplace as high-end, the most sustainable farming uh, systems in the world, essentially, are we going to see upside at a farm gate return in the long term if we take that position, do you think? Oh, I think definitely in the long term. But the, the biggest problem is, you know, farmers, it's like all business people, they, they want to know what the projected return is now. And mm. it's something that's probably very hard to quantify because with I don't know how much research has actually been done in the fact of saying, well, how much in 10 years' time, the amount of money that someone will pay for some sustainable product compared to now might be completely different. Mm. Um, if we've got another billion, billion and a half people in the world, all of a sudden there will be a class of people that want to know that they're morally, um, whether it makes any difference economically, um, doing the right thing and be prepared to pay a little bit more for that product. How has technology helped you and your farm and improve practices over the years? Um, so I, I suppose it all comes back to, for, for me, it all comes back to productivity and profitability. Mm. Um, so we have GPS on our tractor, um, we have GPS on our, our on our motorbike to do irrigation. Um, and, you know, just proving that, yes, we're maximized, we know that we're getting the nutrients in the right place. We know we're getting the water in the right place so that we can grow more grass mm. off the same amount of product. Um, you know, there's no point overlapping of your rear if you don't have to. Um, and, you know, that cuts down the, the amount you use because you know you're putting on the exact amount. Mm. And so course, it has really helped. Yeah. And indeed, irrigation systems are much better today than they once were too, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are. I mean, you've got the... Um, the likes of VRI on, on pivots and things like that now, which can avoid your laneways, avoid your drains, um, you know, your back, setback area around things if you have just you know put a crop in or you don't want to water something. Um, yeah, they can be very smart in the way that they they act now compared to the you know ten years ago when they just put water on a paddock. Mm. What breed of dairy cow do you farm and milk? Uh, so predominantly we, we're running crossbreed um, mm. with a, a few Ayrshire and Jersey animals in there. Um, but we're mainly, we're, we're sort of breeding towards a Jersey, Jersey, Jersey cross animal uh, right. just because of the, the type of land we're on. Um, you know, we're hoping to be here for you know, a good, good five or more years. Mm. Um, and the, the land we're on is pretty, pretty heavy. So we want a lighter animal. Uh, and mainly grass-based systems, so we want a, the most efficient cow. Um, and of course, fat's going up and seems to be quite valuable these days. Mm. Do you put a beef bull over any of your herd? Uh, yep, yeah, we, we use um, a bit of beef salmon. Mm. So, so we do about, oh, we use sexed semen over um, our better cows for the first two and a half weeks. And then we go to all all sort of beef breeds after that. Yeah. Um, just trying to maximise the returns, you know, off the, you know, try to avoid the bobby situation. We're trying to get rid of that um, sort of red herring. Yeah. Um, before it becomes a, a maybe a political issue in the future. 
um, trying to beat, you know, beat, beat the gate, I suppose. Um, so yeah, we're trying a, a, a variety of options. So we've got a bit of Murray Gray, um, a bit of Angus, um, and, and Belgian Blue. Mm. Um, and it's just to try to see what what does nice um, crossover jersey jersey cross as well. Mm. And, and of course, that's another. Yeah, yeah. And of course, that's another revenue and income stream uh, for you. Uh, certainly, a beef and a dairy cross animal is uh, very common amongst beef finishers. Yeah, it is, and, and it's just you know, like I've heard comments that jersey beef crosses is a good flavour combination. Um, and it's just trying to find a, a ball that will still muscle up nicely from that. Mm. And, and I mean, all that, that comes from is, is trial and error and finding the right breed and the right balls to do that. And, um, you know, for us as share milkers, uh, we know we could, we've only got a limited revenue from milkers per se, 50%. Mm. So our alternative is to, to make any other product that comes from our cows worth that little bit more. Mm. Do you think farmers are often between a rock and a hard place? And by that, I mean expected to underpin the economy and also be hamstrung at the same time by carrying out the farming function through increased regulation. Well, I think that that, that does have quite a, it's a pretty good question because I, I think, yes, we are. Um, but you know, sometimes the media doesn't help. And I mean, it's the same with all industries at the end of the day. They, they always point out the, the negatives and they always highlight the few that aren't doing very well. Mm. Um, and they don't very often go back and say, oh, we surveyed a couple of hundred people and actually they, they think farmers are doing a good job. Mm. I know Deering did a survey not that long ago and, you know, most of the, New, over half New Zealand think that Farmers are doing a, a better or more improved job than what they were. And I mean, I think that's part of where we, we're heading is that if there's more attention on how much we're doing sustainably compared to the rest of the world, um, it's something that, you know, the, I suppose, town folk um, or, you know, rural-urban divide um, will appreciate and hopefully then the media will swing that way as well. Mm. At least at least then that'll take one pressure off at least. Um, you know, we, we are a rural nation and we do, you know, we're primary producers. Agriculture and horticulture make up a large proportion of our exports. Yeah, indeed. When you talk about pressure and of course, well-being is a big issue for our farming community and uncertainty around policy does apply pressure among all the other things farmers have to deal with. What do you do to check in on yourself and do you try and get off farm regularly with uh, family and friends? Yeah. Yeah. So we try to try to get off farm and just go to the beach, you know, get a, get off the property uh, once or twice a year, actually take a good, good week or so away, week or two, make sure that you, know, you get your whole head space out of the farm, get it off your mind. Mm. Um, and to be honest, all, all, you know, my wife's a big credit. You know, she makes sure that yeah, I am looking after myself, and mm. you know, if I've got a problem, I talk to her about it. Um, you know, try not to bottle anything up. Mm. Um, and it is good. You know, you need sometimes you need that supportive partner, whether 
a watt for or a business partner even yep. um, a mentor what have you mm. um, that you can just go to and say oh you know no, I'm feeling a bit shit today mm. and you know it's okay to feel shit <laughs> absolutely yeah communications key isn't it it is and you um you mentioned horticulture being a a big part of primary industry and of course great importance to New Zealand's economy like dairy horticulture industry is having a challenging time currently in regard to seasonal staff shortages does the dairy industry face similar challenges in, in that regard well I think at the moment we are we are you know with the visa changes that have happened um, so six months for a, a low-skilled worker which is anyone under tw- I might be wrong here on the figures but $26 an hour, I think, something, something ridiculously, you know, more than old classes, low-skilled. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we, we do. We, we are facing the, the same issues, but probably more, less at one portion of the year because we are looking for people for continual employment. We don't just have a really busy period where we need extra people. Mm. Um, obviously, the agriculture... Um, harvesting side of it, yes, there is that that lack of um, skilled operators for machinery this year. Mm. Um, you know, we've also had the shearers. I mean, they've, I think they've been let through now, but all those sort of things that have taken a month or two longer to get sorted than they should have. Yeah, it appeared to me there was no clear plan. Well, they certainly didn't uh, expect the issue or preempt it. Yeah, I think that comes from a bit of and I mean, I might be wrong here, but a lack of understanding of farmers from the people of Wellington um, who don't realise how much, you know, these primary export industries rely on their outward labour who are skilled in their, in their fields. Um, and it's, I was talking to someone only oh, probably a couple of weeks ago and they said, well, most of it leads back to the, the bad dairying campaigns of in the 90s and the 2000s where now we've got people coming through the ranks looking for jobs and who, who don't want to do anything in agriculture because it was a stigma. Mm. Instead of highlighting how good agriculture is in New Zealand, um, it was put down. Mm. And you talked about, uh, you just mentioned Wellington and of course recent comments from government acknowledging the primary industry and thanking the industry for carrying the economy through murky COVID-19 waters. That was well received. But do you think the words on working with farmers in more depth moving forward and on policy will eventuate, or is it simply politicking? Well, I'd like to think it's not politicking. Um, I like to look at the fact that in in Cabinet now, um, we actually have two people who are from an agricultural background. Um, you know, it's the first time in a good 10 years that there's actually been more than, well, sometimes there's been no one in Cabinet that's from a rural background. And now we've all of a sudden got two. Um, we've got, you know, Damien O'Connor sitting there and so is Kitty Allen. Um, so we've got a lot more clout in that room making the decisions. So I hope that that does follow through to actually, you know, put more working with farmers um, instead of, you know, trying to make up rules without them and then wondering why we get all grumpy and 
um, tell them that they don't, they're not going to work and they've just wasted six months of time writing rules that they should have checked first. Everyone agrees we need to constantly strive to be better in farming practices and in general in whatever it is. And I would argue that we've come a long way since the 90s in farming. With all that in mind and being said, how important is the dairy industry to New Zealand? I think, I think when you look back and, you know, how much the dairy industry has grown, and yes, some of it probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened, but at the end of the day, the amount that it has given to the economy, just in, you know, sheer funds, I suppose, but also the, our reputation on the world stage, it's always increasing, it's never going backwards. Um, the fact is that, you know, farmers are employing locals to do service jobs on the farms you know we're creating a service industry um as much as i don't like all the regulations but if we have to look at a positive side of it um you know even the the old regulations that were still coming through so the ones that uh, created the canterbury land um water plan mm. regional water plan um you know there's a whole lot of consultants and and auditors that had to be hired for that process. And that was going to have to happen throughout the majority of the country anyway. Um, so, you know, those people can't be employed to audit to do that if farmers aren't making money to be able to pay them. So, it, you know, it, it, money, goes, money goes around in, in, in farming. And um, if we can get higher returns, all it means is that, you know, money's able to be spread more throughout the economy as well. Carl, I thank you very much for your time today. Yes, all right. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you to Carl Dean for joining me on the show. Challenges with policy aside, New Zealand's dairy industry is holding up very well, and the latest price forecasts support that. The mild winter was certainly well received by Carl, and I suspect he won't be on his own there if you ask other dairy farmers. New Zealand's dairy industry plays such a significant part to New Zealand's economy. This we know well, but it also plays an important role in our beef production. Without beef animals coming from the dairy industry, New Zealand's beef production could not be maintained at present levels. New Zealand's beef breeding herd does not produce enough replacement animals to maintain the national herd that are slaughtered each year. Indeed, cattle bred in the dairy industry contribute to around 50% of New Zealand's beef production, including Frisian bulls, dairy cross beef cattle, and surplus dairy cows. The Taste Pure Nature Origin brand, which was recently launched, is of long-term value as most of New Zealand's beef exports to the US are grinding beef from cows. Taste Pure Nature is designed to raise the awareness and create customer and consumer preference for New Zealand beef and lamb. It is these kinds of initiatives that truly takes our story to the world and is backed up by the food we deliver. And indeed, our dairy industry is a big part of the story. Today's modern food consumer is asking for food provenance. How was it raised and is it safe for my family to eat? New Zealand agriculture is proving to our international consumers that New Zealand agriculture is as clean and green as anywhere on the planet. Consumers are making ideological decisions on what to eat. This is linked to the backlash against industrialised food systems. There is a desire for better food at all levels, 
which supports a strong future for real food and foods that are not produced in a laboratory in goodness knows where. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.